incredible Olympians taking the leap. Well, except for Ryan Lochte. That's not really much of a, <laughs> wasn't exactly a leap. That was more of a stumble and fall and face plant and embarrassment to society. But aside from him, everybody else was pretty incredible. Uh, if we look at our culture today and we look at the political world that we're living in today, I would say there are leaps of faith that are happening. Unfortunately, most of those leaps are dividing us and causing trouble. And so we're going to need to pray about the future of that come November. And Jesus help us, and he will. And, uh, but, but you see that happening in our world today. Even today, right here on this stage, I am taking a leap of faith. Why, you may ask? Because I wasn't supposed to speak today. So here I am, handed some notes a couple hours ago, and um, hey, good luck. And so I would like to in turn say, good luck to you <laughs> for, for, for whatever's about to happen here on this platform. I do believe that God wants to speak to you, and the good thing that I know is, is that the Holy Spirit can speak to you even if I stand here silently for the next 20 minutes. So, so I'm okay with that. So let's just pray over this. Heavenly Father, we do love you, and we ask that you would come and fill us. God, I do pray that you would speak through me the ideas that you want me to convey. I pray that you would help every hearer to catch the ideas that you want them to hear. And I pray that today that we would leave this place with more faith than we walked in with. More faith to believe that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. So as we look at culture and we see all these leaps of faith going on around us, I am convinced, and you should be too, that the church of Jesus Christ needs to take some more leaps of faith. The world is crumbling and in need and kind of a mess right now, and you have the answer to all of it. You realize that, right? You have the answer to all of it. Doesn't mean you can fix everything and make it perfect, but you have the answers as your world and as your friends and as your coworkers try to navigate through this really difficult space that we're living in today. You have the answers to that. And the church is going to need to take some leaps for that to happen. But what does it look like? I mean, what does a leap of faith really look like? When I say the words leap of faith, you probably think different things. Like some of you think about crazy stuff. Like some of you think about stuff like bungee jumping. Some of you think about things like this. How many of you have been bungee jumping? <laughs> very, very few. <laughs> How many of you want to go bungee jumping? A lot. You lie. You lie you're in church and you're lying. I want to be brave. I want to be brave for Jesus. You're lying. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, it's not going to happen with me, but I can only imagine, and I'm only imagining because it won't happen, but standing at that moment right there and looking out over this precipice and about to take that step off, not knowing what's going to happen, but probably darkness forever. But you don't know what's going to go. But some of you do it. Super scary moment. Some of you, when I say leap of faith, you think of something else. You think of things like this. You think of stuff like I'm doing right now. You think of public speaking. You say, no, that's not going to happen. So apparently public speaking is the number one fear that people have in our world. Like, like it's, it's a bad deal. So like for you to think about being handed some notes and standing up on the stage, you're like, nah, that's not going to happen. So, so number one fear is public speaking. Number two fear is death. It's dying. So, so you would rather be the subject of the funeral than be the guy talking about the guy for the funeral. <laughs> like, that's weird to me. I don't get it. Public speaking, that, that freaks some of you out. Some of you might think of a leap of faith that looks like this. You think of that moment 
that magical moment. I'm looking at Daniel and Mariah right here, just experiencing this moment, you cute little lovebirds, you. This moment where, where you, you get down on one knee and you open up the ring and you look lovingly into her eyes and you hear that song. Oh, it's this beautiful moment. Her hair is like flapping in the breeze and there's a light coming from you don't know where. And, and you ask her, will you marry me? It's a leap of faith because you don't know what's going to happen. Does she say yes and you, and you leap up and you dance and you're thrilled? Or does she say no and you are crushed and crawl in a hole and die? <laughs> I, I proposed to my wife in front of 2,000 people. And, and so that was a big leap of faith, my friends. Now, between you and me, can I just tell you something? I don't remember her actually saying yes ever. Like... <laughs> Like, I know she took the ring, and I know we stood up and we hugged, and I know we kissed, but, but I don't remember her actually saying yes. Isn't that weird? Like, I mean, three kids in and 16 years, I guess it's okay, so we'll just, we'll just keep going forward. Seems like it's fine. Um, <laughs> speaking of, though, some of you, Leap of Faith looks like this. You're about to have kids, but instead of one, you get three. You have three children, and you're like, aha, aha, Jesus. Because that's about all you can say at that moment. For some of you, it hits maybe even closer to home than that. You know, you, you look at your bank account today and you go, yeah, that's a lot of red and minus. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. You've got overdrafts. You're like in major, major trouble. Don't know where the bills are going to come. Don't know where the money's going to come from to pay the bills. Uh, how's that saying go? Too much that's the one. Too much month at the end of the money. Yeah. We've all experienced that from time to time. <laughs> In case you didn't hear that, that was pay your tithe. That was sermon number two. So thank you, Barry. All of these are moments where there's a leap of faith required, where something happens beyond you, beyond your control, beyond your ability, beyond your life experience. You don't have the means to handle everything that's happening there on your own. It's beyond your own courage. It's beyond your own wisdom. So what does happen when you ask God to do what seems like it's impossible? Like, I just want you to ask yourself this question for a minute, right? Like, just think about it. When was the last time that you really decided to take a leap of faith? When's the last time? Take stock for a moment. Maybe just take stock in where is your faith level right now in your life? Is it very low? Is it high? Where is it? What do you have faith for? When was the last time that you looked beyond the safety of your own experiences and you lifted your head up to see what God could maybe do that was bigger than you and beyond you and things that you thought could never, ever happen in your world, in your family, in your job, in your nation, in our church? When was the last time that you were actually stretched in faith? When was the last time? Has it been pretty comfy? Have you just been hanging out? If so, that's okay. But we have opportunity now for the next several weeks together to push on that, to grow in that, to provide experience for the Holy Spirit, to see what he can do and provide opportunity for him. What does faith actually mean to you? When I say the words faith, some of you think about that. You get pumped up. You get pumped and say, oh, man, yeah, adventure and excitement and crazy stuff, doing great things for the kingdom of God. Some of you think that way. Others of you think about, you've got this, this really misconstrued thing going on in your head where you just think about, like, TV evangelism and guys on the screen asking me for money and trying to get stuff from me and saying, if I'll just give to them and have faith, then great things will happen for me. 
And so you got messed up thinking about it. I want you to get past all of that today because there's a world that needs you. I'm talking about tapping into audacious faith, top, tapping into something that, that creates an adrenaline rush, something that makes your palm sweaty. There's vomit on a sweater already. Mom, spaghetti. I'm sorry. That just, uh, yeah, I've been a youth pastor a long time. That just tends to happen to me. I'm sorry about that. Um, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. You don't need to know. And yeah, my dad is very, he's like, you just said vomit. Why'd you say that? Um, and if you're upset and you want to write uh, an email, that's ross.parsley.onechapel.com. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, something about, something makes your palms sweaty. Something that, that makes you dream really big. I'm talking about having a holy imagination that God could do something amazing, that God could do something big, something God's desire, God's purpose, his destiny for your life, audacious faith. We're going to throw that word around a lot over the next several weeks, but I want you to, I, want, I don't I just want us to throw it out and think about it. I want us to define it, and I want us to go after it. Audacious faith, it means daring. It means brave. It means recklessly bold. I know some of you are like, oh, Brent, I don't do those kinds of things. I make lists. I like spreadsheets. I want to make sure that everything is under control at all times. I don't know why I'm making fun of you, and I apologize for that. Because <laughs> my wife is one of you, and without her, I don't know, I would be dead probably. So, so I'm thankful for people like you. But you can't control everything all the time. You already know this. Faith that's recklessly bold, it's fearless, it's risky. As a church, we have to talk about this. We have to, because faith is an essential ingredient for every one of us who follows Jesus. Without faith, you can't follow Jesus. You're not a believer. <laughs> and so many of us, I think we live out of our heads. We live out of the stuff that we know. So if it makes sense and I can see it and verify it, then okay, that makes sense to me. I can follow along with that. I don't think you can stay there. Faith doesn't live up here. Some of us follow our heart. We just say, have you heard that great advice that people want to give you? Oh, just follow your heart, brother. Just follow your heart, sister, and see where it goes. That's terrible advice. It's bad advice. Do you know why? Because the scripture says that your heart is wicked, and it's in need of regeneration. It's messed up. You can't follow that thing around. You've got to follow the Holy Spirit around and see what happens. Your head and your heart can't always be trusted. Now take some risk and have, place your faith in God. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by faith, not by sight. God has invited us into this crazy life, this adventure, this excitement. He's offering us this amazing opportunity where risk meets faith. Because without risk, you don't have any faith. My good friend, Britt Hancock, is, he's known for saying this. Without risk, there is no faith. Actually, he says it like this. Without risk, there is no faith. <laughs> and you get kind of scared for a minute, and then you go, oh, that's it's good. But it's true. Without risk, there is there's no faith if you've got everything under control. God has called us to this life that's out beyond our comfort zones. But we like the comfort zone. We like to be secure. We like to feel like we're safe. But do you know what's happening? All the good stuff is happening over here. I think we might have a picture of this. Yeah. We like, you like your comfort zone, this little soft place where you're, you're comforted and you feel like things are good. But all the good stuff, the kingdom work, all the salvation, regeneration, everything else, it's happening out here. Apparently it's where the magic happens. Not sure what that means, but let's move on from that. That's where all the good stuff is going on. 
Listen, and there's no doubt about it. Our church, we have a vision of planting 10 communities in the next 10 years. And so if that's going to happen, that means we have to have some risk. We have to have some audacious faith. And not just me, not just Pastor Ross, not just Rob, not just Marty, not just us. You, you have to have it. You've got to get the mindset. You've got to think, I can be missional and go out into another region of our city and plant and help grow a kingdom church in there. I can do that stuff. You, not us. This will never happen if it's just us. It's our family doing this thing together. And I hear you. I know you're saying, oh, Pastor Brent, you don't understand, man. You don't get it because, listen, I, I, I can't even have enough faith for me. I mean, my, my, I, don't know, I don't know where the money's going to come from. Uh, I got things happening in my house. I don't know if I'm going to have my job next week. I got these kids that are going crazy. They're all over the place. I got this prodigal that's out there, and I don't know what's happening to him. Look, I get all of that. And you're saying, man, I, I, don't, know if, I, I don't have enough faith for me. I can't have enough faith for something else or somebody else. But you can. God has called you into it. And the good news is, if you feel unprepared, if you feel unqualified, if you feel like you can't, you are in good company. And I don't mean just us. I mean, you can look through scripture and you can see over and over and over again these great heroes of faith. Heroes of faith that didn't have what it takes, didn't have the equipment, didn't have all the right stuff, and yet they still did it. They took the leap of faith and God did miraculous things. And today we call them heroes. So we're going to dig into this over the next several weeks. We're going to look at those heroes. You've got a devotional on your seat there, and you can take a look at that. There's, for the next 30 days, we're going to dig into faith through that. We're going to pray together starting at 6 a.m., starting next, uh, next Monday. We're going to pray for a week together. I know, 6 a.m., that's a leap of faith for some of you that I'm just going to get up on time. But we're going to dig into this for the next month, and I want to encourage you to come with us. So just a few ideas here as we move forward. Without faith... With faith, sorry, with faith, it's not about the amount. With your faith, it's not about the amount. It's about the potency. <laughs> Matthew 17, 20 says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. Faith as small as a mustard seed, it has incredible potential. And you already have this small measure of faith inside of you. You just got to increase the potency of it. We've all got to discover what faith is. We've got to discover it for ourselves and, and then take that seed and plant it in the fertile soil of God's great plans and his purposes for us. And here's the amazing part about it. A leap of faith, it's not about what you know or what you think you can do. It really isn't. It's not about you, really. It doesn't have much to do with you. A leap of faith is all about him. And so if you can take that little bit of faith, it just matters where you place it. Because I think what happens is you take that little small bit of faith and you say, oh, sure, yeah, I trust God, absolutely. I want to go bungee jumping. But you say, oh, yeah, I, I trust God, I get that. But, but, um, but then you take that faith and you kind of tuck it away in here. Or you tuck it away in here. Yeah, but I, I, I'm going to have to get this done. Or you tuck it away in here, <laughs> small and puny as it may be. And you put it in your own strength and say, I'm, I'm going to accomplish this. And maybe you're not even thinking that. But the way that you live your life and the way that you pray and the way that you trust him, that's what becomes very clear, that that's the way you live. Trusting in your own skill rather than him. But it's not about you. Faith is knowing that I don't know everything God is able to do in me, for me, or through me. I don't know it. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Do you see it? God has bigger dreams. God has higher wisdom. God has greater power and more amazing plans than you and I will ever come up with on our own. I've seen it. 
I've seen his provision in incredible ways. Like I remember when I was in college, um, I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I, I went not knowing exactly how we were going to take care of all of the needs that would arise. So every semester was like, I don't know, I'll probably stay here. <laughs> Didn't know if I was going to be able to afford it. And every semester, semester after sem- semester, I stayed, and God provided in miraculous ways. And then at the end, I was just about to graduate. I had one semester left, and I was in Colorado Springs. I was working at a church there during the summer. I was cleaning baby puke out of carpets, and I was pulling weeds in the, in the parking lot and just kind of taking care of the grounds. And while I was there, a man, a businessman, drove by the church, and he felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go in there. There's a college kid that needs some help. So he pulled in. He went in and talked to the pastor. They talked for a little while. The pastor said, oh, I know who that is. That's Brent Parsley. And so he called me up to his office. That guy left, and he called me up to his office. Pretty scary, by the way. So I walked in with, you know, fear and trembling. Oh, great, what did I do now? And I walked into the bathroom. That's what some of you feel like. <laughs> Never mind. So uh, what did I do now? I'm in so much trouble. And so I walked in, and he said, hey, Brent, sit down. Again, very scared. I sat down, and he said, hey, listen, here's what happened. He told me the story. And he said, this guy pulled in, and we talked for a little while. So we've set some rules here. If you graduate with a 2.5 grade point average, and I mean, <laughs> come on, please. <laughs> Just kidding, barely scraped by. No, I didn't, I did good. I did really, I did really, really well. If you graduate with at least a 2.5 grade point average, and if you graduate in this many years from now, then this guy is going to give you $20,000 towards your school loans. $20,000. I'd, rac- I'd racked up a whole bunch of loans, and so I graduated with those requirements, and right away, boom, 20 grand went towards that stuff and paid a bunch of it off. I paid for a little while and finished my school loans way before my considerably older brothers. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? My considerably older brothers. Ross was like, ugh, why? Why does he like you more than me? And I was just like, I don't know, I'm just amazing. So (laughs) I I don't even know who that guy was. I have no idea. But he really took care of me. I remember it again when we moved to Austin, Texas. We were pastoring at a church in Colorado Springs, and uh, Ross said, with, along with Amy, hey, we, we feel like God has called us, and we're going to move. And so we said, wow, what does that mean? Because God knows I do not want to follow this guy around. <laughs> but we prayed about it, and I felt like God whispered to me and said, go help Ross. Those were the words that we heard. Just a whisper, go help Ross. And Lord knows he needs help. And so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a brother hat thing, so pastor hat back on. Ross is an incredible godly man full of character and wisdom. Um, actually, he is. I, I obviously wouldn't be here if I didn't think that was true. So I'm very grateful for him. So we decided we were supposed to go. So I still had a house in Colorado Springs. The year is 2010. The market is not good. It is very difficult to sell. And so we, but we thought, we heard God and we think we're supposed to just go as crazy as that seems. So we loaded up the truck, we threw our tiny kids into the car and we headed out to Austin, Texas. We showed up here, starting to meet with people and hang out and figure out what that means to launch a church in Austin. And God provided for us over and over and over again. And for one year, for one year, I had no money coming in. I had a house in Colorado Springs for a year. I had an apartment in Austin, Texas. 
I had a car. I had a storage facility. I had three tiny kids in need of food and shelter. I had all of these things, and I didn't work that year outside of working for the church. And God provided miraculously over and over and over and over again. And listen, it would happen. We'd come right up to the end, and I'd say, Maria, tomorrow's the day. I got to go get a job. It's over. I don't know. I just, I thought we could maybe do this, but it doesn't seem like it's going to work. I'm going to go and interview tomorrow. And that day in the mail, bam, something would happen. We get a check. Some, somebody says, hey, we're thinking about you. We just want to support you. Hope you're doing good. Bam. Over and over and over again, God provided. Now, I've told you two really cool stories uh, about money, but you can't get stuck on money. Please do not get hung up on faith and money. That is not what we're talking about today. Because I didn't talk to you about all the things that happened to me in school. I didn't talk to you about the emotional growth and the spiritual growth and all the things that God provided me for, for me there. I didn't tell you about meeting my wife there and that's where all this happened. I didn't talk to you about that. I didn't talk to you about the growth that happened and the lives that were touched while we were in Colorado Springs pastoring. I didn't talk about that stuff, but that's all a part of this. Having faith for God to do these things. And so just as we start to start to look ahead here, I want to talk about some of these people, some of these audacious people that we see in scriptures. And you'll you'll find them in Hebrews chapter 11. Most of you know this this, this passage. It's a famous passage about faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 1 through 6, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible." few things about this that are blanks for you, I think. Faith is defined by its relationship to hope. Faith is defined by its relationship, how it connects to hope. Because we as believers in Jesus, we don't live in a hope-so reality. We don't just say, oh, I hope this happens. Oh, I hope this comes to pass. That's not what our faith is. It's grounded in more than that. We don't just gamble and say, oh, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Our faith is grounded in something more than that. In fact, our faith is grounded in someone. It's someone, and you can look back at your own life, and you can see his character, and you can see the history of how he's cared for you and provided for you. And if you can't, you feel like life's been hard, you can look back through Scripture, and you can see his character and his history and how he's provided for people since the beginning and all the work that he does. It's verifiable. You can see it. And our faith is based on that. Our hope is in that. Faith is the foundation upon which our hope rests. Another thing that you see, we're not really going to talk through this scripture much, but I'll just give you the headlines. Assurance and conviction are strikingly evident in people of faith. You can see it in them. It's a good question for you to ask yourself. Can they see it in you? Do people see faith in you when they talk to you? Or are you this guy? Wah, wah. I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. Life is really hard. Are you that guy? Are you that girl? Are you Debbie Downer? Or do you live with faith? God is going to come through. God is here. God can help me. I trust in him to provide everything that I need. It's evident in people of faith. Third thing, God makes, uh, God's word makes the invisible visible. We saw that in that passage. Faith is about God's voice speaking into your life. And when you hear it, faith arises in you. Ver- carrying on with verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. It's a fourth blank for you. Faith speaks longer and louder than life or death. It doesn't end with you. 
It carries on, it speaks louder. And then verse six, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? It's because there's no leap. There's no leap if you don't have faith. There's no risk. There's no dependence on him. There's no reliance. There's no yieldedness. There's no mystery involved. It's impossible to please God without faith because all that's left is your knowledge, your expertise, your human will, your strategy, your good works, your religion, your skill. That's all that's left. We end up relying on those instead of relying on God's strength and his plans. It's a really great author. She's a calligrapher and an artist. Her name is Margaret Shepard. She said, sometimes your only available transportation is a leap of faith. I love that. Sometimes the only way that you're going to get anywhere is by a leap of faith. So faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he rewards those who pursue him. A lot of us are good at the first part. Yeah, I believe that he exists, but you don't think he's going to come through. You don't think that he's going to reward those who seek him and pursue him. You don't think that if you draw near to him, that he will actually draw near to you. You don't buy that. You have to have both if you're going to live with faith. So I just want to read, as we close here, I just want to read a passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. I'm going to read the continuing verses here, seven, uh, and we're going to go into into chapter 12. But would you just settle back for a minute? Let's just switch into story mode here a little bit. And I just want you to sit back and listen and think about these incredible heroes of faith that we talk about. Verse seven says, by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Think about that for just a second. Think about Noah. Think about hearing, hey, I want you to build a big boat. Think about not knowing rain and not knowing all of this stuff. And God says, hey, go build a boat. And think about building that boat for years and years and years and years, continuing to work on it. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. By faith, barren Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted, but they were after a far better country than that heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. It continues on with so many more stories. And then you end up in Hebrews chapter 12 and it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. 
Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish line, and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves, is it flagging? Say flag? You don't have it. Flagging, flailing in your faith. Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. As we close today, I want you to remember these things. Stuff that we've talked about, the faith is about believing in a promise that you just haven't received yet, just like these guys did. Faith doesn't make sense sometimes, there's no doubt about it. But it's not just a blind faith. Remember that, it's not just blind faith. It's grounded in someone. And faith is not about, it's not, it's not about uh, uh, eradicating doubt. It's not about getting rid of all doubt. That's not what faith is. People say, oh, I come to church. I, I, gotta, I gotta hide my doubts because I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. And they shrink back and walk away because they carry some doubt in their mind and in their heart. Rather than pressing forward and stepping in to their doubt and bringing it to this family and saying, hey, I'm not sure about this. I, I want to I talk about it. Staying connected and staying plugged in. Hey, everybody, you got doubts. I have some too. It's okay for you to bring those here and we can talk about them. We can process through them together. Doubt is never eradicated. It just gets conquered. You just step up on top of it and you conquer it and move forward. Second thing, faith is about taking a risk. There's no doubt about it. Daring, bold, brave, and fearless. Something that's beyond your ability. And if we're gonna do this together over the course of the next month, we're gonna have to become comfortable with what we perceive as failures. You gotta get comfortable with perceived failure because sometimes it's not gonna look like you thought it should look. Sometimes it won't end up like you thought it should end up. And that's okay, let's get up, dust off, and say, let's go again. I've been teaching teenagers for years. You are never a failure until you give up. Get up and go again. Have faith, try again. And lastly, we put our faith in a person. We've said this, not in an outcome. We surrender our will, we surrender our lives to him. We trust in him. And as we do that, we start to get to know him better. And because of all of that, then we can lay all of our faith in him. I want to ask you to close your eyes for a second. And would you ask yourself a couple questions? What is it that you're struggling with today? Where have you become weak in faith? You used to believe, but now you have retreated and stepped backwards, maybe because of doubt, maybe because of circumstance. What are you hoping for that needs a strong foundation of faith under it. And, and please, would you do this? Don't, please don't just look inward. That's a good thing to do. You need to answer these questions personally, but, but would you look outward? <laughs> what, what are you hoping for that needs a foundation that has to do with the people that you work with? What are you hoping for that needs a foundation that has to do with our church and its future? What is it that you need a foundation for, for hope? It has to deal with your kids and your family and our city, our nation, bigger than you. What are you facing today that's beyond your ability or your capacity? Would you be willing to take the leap of faith that's required? Would you be willing to take this journey with us together over the next several weeks? So just pause for a moment and just contemplate. Just think. Let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit shine his searchlights in your heart. 
God, where have I lacked faith? Where have I missed it? Where did I once trust you and now I don't? And what happened? Maybe for some of you, you just need to take that first step of faith. You say, I haven't had any faith in Jesus yet, but I think this may be somebody that I want to place some hope in. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's faithful unlike anyone you've ever known. So with everybody's eyes closed, would you just, would you just, just for him, just for him, would you just acknowledge, I've lost faith and I want to hope again. And just kind of slip your hand up just so he can see it. Nobody else, just for him. Just lift it up. That's good. All over the room. Yeah, good for you. Right on. Right on. Who else? Just hold it up there for a second. Not, not for me, not for anybody else. It's just for him. This is just your decision. You're saying, I, I'm going to place my faith in you again. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need this family around me here. I'm going to need your spirit to guide me, but I'm going to put my faith in you again. Oh, that's good. Anybody else? Just make that commitment. Yeah, right on. <laughs> Who else? I'm going to have faith. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust him. I'm coming back. Oh, good. Heavenly Father, you see these hearts and these hands. And Father, we thank you that you're doing a work inside of them and us. You're doing a work inside of me. And I pray that you would work this, work this through to completion. I pray today that you would help us to lay down our fears, our worries, our offenses, our unforgiveness, our bitterness, all the stuff that keeps us from trusting and believing and having faith. We pray today that as we study these guys and as we go through the next few weeks and we study together, Father, that faith would arise in our hearts to believe that you are who you say you are and that you will come near to those who seek you out and that you will reward them who seek you. Now, Father, for these that are lifting their hands, would you reward them with your life and your spirit, your grace to move forward, your spirit to give them faith and encourage them and help us as their family to stand with them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these things and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, that was an awesome decision and a great start.